This is the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. It's Friday, December 16th, and it's week 15 in the National Football League. I'm J.P. Shadrick with the best of the week from Jaguars Radio, Jaguars.com, and our social channels, Jags Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We have reaction to the win over the Titans and a look ahead to the big matchup at the bank with the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for listening on Jaguars.com through the podcast link at the top of the homepage or on the official Jaguars podcast network. That's on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. We love that feedback, of course, so leave us a comment and a five-star rating. We start this week with the reaction to the Jaguars' Week 14 win over the Titans. The Jags' defense had four takeaways last week, and Trevor Lawrence's career day through the air led the way to victory. But it was what happened during the victory formation kneel down at the end of the game that also grabbed the attention of Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli as they joined me Monday afternoon on Jaguars Happy Hour Radio. On the kneel down at the end of the game, loved it. The center loved got pushed it. back. And Trevor Lawrence goes right up into his face and gets into his grill and tells him all about it and then points to the scoreboard at the end as the clock's ticking down. I, it may not be huge at the end of the day, but uh, I think that well, tells you a lot about what this guy means to this locker room and this organization right there. Well, no, it, you know what well, it else it does? It's, it's exactly what we said last week. We talked about the bully bullying the bully. And you can't – until you bully the bully back, he's going to continue to do it. Well, they bullied the bully. That's what they did. And he he bullied the bully. I, look, I've always been one of those guys back in the day. I used to point to the scoreboard all the time. Take a peek, dude. You're getting blown out. Shut up. You know. I mean, it was it was the classic. I love that. That to me, that was one of my favorite parts of the entire game. By the way, of course, I would love that. But I the way he handled it. A he got in the guy's face, and then he walked away and pointed to the scoreboard. It was vintage. It was great. Fantastic. I, I don't I don't care about pointing to the scoreboard. What I loved is. Their defensive line took a cheap shot on a kneel down. You don't do that. And before the offensive line can even do anything, Trevor's in the dude's face saying, no, that's not what you do here. And I love that. Forget about the point. He, he basically said, no, no, we're not going to take that. And then, and then you watch the offensive line rally around him. I loved it. It was beautiful. I don't care about pointing at the scoreboard. I love it. Basically saying, making the statement, no, not any longer. It's over. That- and, you know, watching that, it really makes me want to see week 18 be for something. Absolutely. <laughs> How good. Oh, boy. You know what? I can't remember the last time this team played on Sunday Night Football. I'll say this. 2011. If that's for all the money to go to the playoffs, that might be the game that gets flexed. Because remember, they flex the game. to no. There's no Sunday Night game to, at this point. They wait for whatever game has the most meaning for the playoffs. And yeah, but the way, imagine, the way the division, the other South division's going, it could be Brady playing. It could be, it, it, well, yeah. And if it's Brady, Brady's going to get the is going to get the jump, no doubt. But Pete, could you imagine to go to the playoffs in Jacksonville, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars? That'd be awesome. It would be. Yeah, just incredible. don't, uh, just don't make a rap video before the game. We're back in a moment. Happy mistake. We'll get more on that maybe in a little bit. Jaguars Happy Hour Monday airs 4 to 6 p.m. on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, and the Jaguars social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Now let's hear from the quarterback himself Wednesday, Trevor Lawrence and his weekly press conference, this time after being named AFC Offensive Player of the Week for a second time this season. Are you getting to have a rhythm with Doug as a play caller to the point where you – 
are you starting to anticipate what he calls and you know or is he calling what you were thinking maybe yeah i mean situationally we talk a lot about obviously third down red zone different stuff like that and then you have a plan you know to start each game kind of what what which direction you're going to head the first few plays so Obviously, you know that, but then third down red zone, you're on the same page. We have our ideas of what we like, and we talk about, you know, kind of the order we want. Obviously, that can change based on the situation. So I can anticipate those. Um, but as the game goes, I think more so we have, I mean, we have a huge menu of plays to run. So it's not like I always know what he's calling, but we're always on the same page in the situation and just the way we communicate, whatever situation is, hey, this is an opportunity to take a shot or let's, let's be smart. Let's take a completion to keep, like, keep the chains moving. Whatever it is, he does a good job of kind of reminding me of some of those things. And now as it's gone more and more, he doesn't have to as much because we're on the same page. And I kind of know, like I've talked about with y'all, just field position, where we're at. You know, there was a couple times the Tennessee game, we ended up settling for field goals. But I think we were really smart about, you know, what we called and then just my mindset of, okay, can I extend the play? Do I need to get out of my hands, take a completion, you know, throw it away? We got the field goal already. All those things, I think the more you've played together or played for someone, that kind of flows more naturally. And you, you know what to expect call-wise, and you know what they're expecting me to do. And there's just that trust of, because there's, I mean, there's situations you see around the league, and then especially like college or wherever, where different situations are called differently based on who the quarterback is and the trust that they have in that guy. Like, do we trust them to make the right decision, or is he going to hold on to it and take a sack in this critical moment where we don't have any timeouts, or we're in field goal range, and we, we could get knocked out of field goal range? So I think. You know, they're showing a lot of trust in me, and I think that's where I've grown a lot as a player is just understanding those situations. So I think that's been a cool thing for us to, to go through. Doug said in an interview this week, he thinks the London game, particularly that red zone turnover, is kind of a wake-up call for you, kind of your turning point. Is that kind of, kind of how you see it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's been a few of those moments um, really in my career so far. But I think at that point, I remember, I, I'll never forget how I felt in that locker room after the game, you know, Obviously, it wasn't a good day for me, and I really just felt like, really, it felt like that a couple times, but none more than after that game. Really felt like I let the, the team down. You know, should have won that game. Um, I think we had lost four. That was our fifth one in a row. So I was just, I remember, I never forgot how I felt in that locker room. I, was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, one, start taking care of the ball, but two, I just want to be the player that I know I can be. And I think that kind of flipped a switch in me. And, and, and honestly, too, I think, uh, I have a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder now, just because you know last year and a half I don't I don't really forget what what's been said and um, what people have written and now, you know you see people change their mind after a couple weeks and uh, but I but I but I remember everything you know and I don't use that necessarily as my only fuel but definitely use that and I think that's something this team's done you know we kind of remember how what people were saying when we lost five in a row and then we've won some big games now and um, people kind of change their mind quick so we just have that same mentality. Um, that we're just out, we want to prove you know how good we can be every week, and uh, I think that's been the cool thing about this team. The full Lawrence press conference available on Jaguars.com. Moving to the coordinators Thursday, offensive coordinator Press Taylor on the different players that step up week to week to make plays in the offense. And it's just you know a credit to to the the roster we have offensively. You know we we feel like there are a number of guys. If a defense were to do something to try to take away one guy, we have another another couple guys that could step up at any moment and have have a game. Um, if the flow of the game kind of dictates that, the next guy steps up. It's not like there's been a concerted effort to go in and say this guy's going to get all the targets. It's kind of 
the ball finds the guy that it's supposed to find at certain times. And when Trevor's playing that way and operating that way and somebody has a big game, it's just kind of a byproduct of it. It's not necessarily we went out with the intention of Evan having this huge game. Um, the ball just kind of found him. Trevor did a good job getting to him. He did a good job getting open, and he took advantage of his opportunities. You've been with Doug now uh, long enough, probably as much as any, certainly as much as anybody on this staff. Uh, if you had to pick one trait of Doug that makes him an effective NFL head coach, what would you say it is? Consistency. That's easy. Consistency. He's the same guy every single day. Walks in the building from the way he pro. You know, we lose five in a row, whatever it may be. We win a big game. He comes in the next day with the same approach to the staff. Um, the same same idea of just trusting the process. So you know what you're getting with him. You come in, you're not worried. Is he in a bad mood? Is he in a good mood? Is he this? Is he that? You know exactly who he's going to be with the coaching staff, with the players, his expectations, where you stand. And so it's easy to do your job that way. And defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell after cornerback Tyson Campbell had three passes defense last week against Tennessee. Challenging receivers and getting his hands on them. And then down the field, he's able to locate the ball. He's worked on that. You can see the dividends paying off. He's able to locate the ball and knock him down. We wish he'd come away with more interceptions when he's in position, but he's uh, doing a great job of winning at the line of scrimmage and winning downfield. We really didn't know how he prepared last year, but I see him spending extra time. He meets early in the morning, gets a little extra with his uh, coach. Deshae's doing a great job of feeding him information. He's taking it, and then on the field, you see the confidence. And you see the leadership starting to show up. He'll speak to the DBs and get guys in the right place. So it's uh, good to see his growth. The coordinator press conference is, of course, available on Jaguars.com. Moving along now to huddle up with Bucky Brooks Wednesday afternoon and plenty of offensive discussion from last week's game and moving ahead. Bucky, John Osher, and I got into the Jaguars' ground game and how to get more out of it. How do the Jaguars run the football better, more effectively, more consistently? Is it? just the way games have gone lately or is there more to it uh there's more to it you got to be able to push the people off the ball uh the Tennessee Titans up front were stout you know you have Jeffrey Simmons and some of those other guys up front they're they're not easy to move off the ball and so it takes a commitment to kind of grinding it out being a more ground and pound team to be able to do to do it and it also takes a runner that you know, multiple runners that kind of have some size to them that can kind of lean on the defense and um, kind of wear them down over time. That said, I think Travis Etienne can be effective. And I think the number one thing that you want to see is the amount of carries that the uh, or rush attempts that the Jaguars have. If you get the rushing attempts over 25 to 30, at least it shows a commitment. It makes the defense continue to honor the run and then you're able to throw it. But hopefully this team can win a variety of different ways. It's not always throwing it all over the yard. They're not always ground and pound. Uh, they have a nice, happy medium where if the quarterback needs to step in and throw it, they can do it. If you need Travis Etienne to make big plays on the ground, he can do it as well. But isn't that a big thing in this discussion, Bucky, something you said during your last answer? In this offense especially, in the NFL overall right now, but especially in this offense, it's the threat of the run is as important as actually running. And it seemed to me they ran enough uh, the other day, 25 carries, I think it was. It seemed to me the Titans continued to believe that the Jaguars were going to try to run, and they had to play defense to honor it. And in Doug's system, I'm not sure he's that worried week to week. If he walks out and they've got 60 yards rushing, if they have 368 yards passing, I don't think he's that worried about it. No, I don't think he's that worried about it because I think he still views the game running it through the quarterback. Um, as a true West Coast disciple, the running game is secondary to being able to throw it. In a perfect world, what you would like to do is throw the ball early to get the lead. And then in the second half, 
you accumulate your rushing yards as you begin to run out the clock. And so the Jaguars have kind of operated under that premise when they've been able to play very, very well at the beginning. Trevor Lawrence comes out, throws it, they get on the board, they're operating efficiently and effectively, and then you begin to see the running game become a factor in the second half. So there are a couple of different ways to skin the cat. Uh, in a perfect world, you would like, in Jacksonville, you would like Trevor Lawrence to kind of do the heavy lifting, and then Travis Etienne come and finish it off late. Huddle Up with Bucky Brooks airs Wednesdays at 4 on Jaguars.com and the Jags social channels. In a moment, Fred Taylor on the running back matchup this week. An inside look at the Dallas Cowboys. Plus, left tackle Cam Robinson discusses dealing with critics. All that after this. Jags fans, fill your wallet with one debit card that screams Duval exclusively from TIAA Bank. The Jacksonville Jaguars Visa debit card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features so you can pay with pride wherever you go. And it's yours free when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Up your financial game today. Visit a financial center near you or find us at TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What's up, Yes, sir. Hey, they hold the ball a little long on this one. Welcome back to the Jaguars broadcast weekend review podcast presented by TIAA Bank. That was part of the mic'd up segment this week. Right tackle Jawan Taylor wore a wire for the win over Tennessee. Full segment is available, of course, on Jaguars.com or the Jaguars YouTube channel. And check out the official Jaguars podcast network. You might be on it right now. It's a free subscription on iTunes or Spotify. This show each Friday, the Huddle Up podcast, the Ozone podcast, and all the rest. Give us that five-star rating as always. Thank you. Now to the best of our shows this week, starting on the other side of the Jags offensive line from Jawan Taylor, it's left tackle Cam Robinson, now in his sixth year in the NFL. He joined the Ozone podcast this week and talked plenty with John Osher about outside noise and how to deal with it. Tell me about the difference between what people think they know about what you do and what they actually know about what you do. Meaning, when you hear criticism of a Cam Robinson left tackle, I love asking left tackles. I mean, I think just it's, it's, there's a lot of people that kind of think they know the game, and I don't want to because they probably do know the game. Sure. But it's so much when – it, when it comes to our position in particular, just offensive line play, there's so much other stuff mm-hmm. that goes into it, and there's so much other stuff that it consists of that people have no idea about. But, I mean, it's always going to be like casuals, and they probably do casually know the game touchdown, first down, false start holding, sure. like that type of stuff. But there's only a small, minute group of people that actually knows football and, like, actually knows the game and actually knows what they're talking about, if we're just being mm-hmm. honest. So, I mean, it's always going to be that type of stuff, though. Are you better at grasping that than you were when you were a rookie? Absolutely. And you learn – and I think this honestly just comes with age. You learn not to care. Gotcha. Um, when, you're, when you're older – I mean, when you're younger – I think it's so important to you what people think about you and mm-hmm. how people feel about you. But uh, I think the older you get, just maturity, you learn to. I was, listen, I was watching this LeBron interview and he says you got to just learn to not give. And I can't really say it, but you got to <laughs> learn to not care. You got to learn to not care what nobody thinks. Um, and that's been. I mean, I think that'll be huge. I think that's huge for any athlete, just in general. Um, just be confident in yourself, confident in your abilities, and definitely you can't worry about 
if they're not in the kind of like in the foxhole with you, their the opinions, the the, the tweets, the whatever whatever it is. Sure. I mean, you got to let like it, and it's 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 not easy because I think that's kind of human nature to care about what people think about you, how people feel about you. But I mean, you you genuinely have to not care. And in in the social media age, yeah, definitely, it's almost impossible. Definitely, like, I covered Baselli back in the day. Well, there were a couple of TV stations and a newspaper mm-hmm. who were weighing in, but he wasn't hearing it from you know, yeah. the entire Twitterverse. Yeah, now so. you get everybody and everybody's somebody on Twitter. Sure. And so it's just, I mean, you kind of just got to learn how to balance that, kind of learn how to deal with that. Which I feel like once you do a good job of mastering that and kind of right. learning how to deal with that, that's so that's when you start to that's when your game starts to take steps um, mentally. Some Baselli told me once. And I think most offensive linemen live by this. You can have sixty-five great plays as an Absolutely. offensive lineman, and you have one bad one, and you're it's the, the yeah, yeah. It just and the opposite is. way for defensive end, you Vice can dominate versa. it all day. Yeah, I always say defensive end probably is the only position you can lose like eighty-five percent of your reps <laughs> and be considered like a good player. It's wicked when you think about it, but people don't think about it. So and I'm sure there have been games for you. I feel like you played great, and then there's one play. Yeah, I mean, and what you got to learn to do is. Know that you play great. I mean, one play can't like it's football. One play cannot dictate the way that the game like has gone for an individual. Mm-hmm. Um, the good players learn how to kind of just like let their roll off their back and just kind of keep it moving. Like that's gonna happen. Right. Um, just speaking from my posi- my position is in particular. You play offensive line. The quarterback has thirty five something like that attempts. You drop back thirty times like. No one's going to be 30 for th- – I mean, or if you are 30 for 30, then those are – but if you lose a rep or if you lose, like, a pr- like it's not it's not the end of the world. Gotcha. It'll, people will probably make it try to seem like it's the end of the world, but it's, it's, it's fine. Is that where you're probably – I mean, from year one to now, uh, is it mentally where you're a better player or oh, is it just everywhere? absolutely. Night and day. Like, mentally it's just like – this is night and day. And I would always just – just always talk to like when I was younger. Just try to talk to like older players and try to just take like little bits and pieces from like how they what they do mentally, or how they mentally prepare um, just week in and week out. But mentally is is easily probably where my game is taking the the biggest jump because physically I've always been um, just God given in sure. the in the things that I can do. But just always try to keep those skills sharp. But physically is easily where my game has grown the most. The Ozone Podcast presented by Vice Star with left tackle Cam Robinson. Available now on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Moving to the matchup with the Dallas Cowboys in Week 15. Brian Broadus of 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and a former scout joined Brian Sexton and John Ozer on Jags Drive Time Wednesday morning. And he was asked if Micah Parsons is the best player on a star-studded roster in Big D. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, there was there was a time where we always were talking about Tyron Smith, and then Zach Martin came along. There was a time with Ezekiel Elliott, you know, that you might have thrown him in. But this organization caught a huge break uh, with Micah Parsons. Uh, You know, when we were evaluating him coming out of Penn State, you know, the COVID year, not playing and all that, and you really were in one of those modes where you were trying to figure out, you know, wow, this is an all-fall linebacker. They traded back. They were able to grab him. But it took an injury to Demarcus Lawrence and for him to kind of get the recognition. Dan Quinn in week two said, listen, we need a pass rusher against the Chargers. And, you know, Micah Parsons became that guy. And then you started to see 
the power, the explosiveness, the quickness. You know, he, he had a real feel for how to do it. And, you know, it just really kind of blossomed from that time that Dan Quinn has moved him around and, uh, and, and, and really played to his strengths. And it was really funny because evaluating him at Penn State, I would challenge anybody to, to find the film of him as a, uh, a, a really like a defensive end pass rusher. I mean, he was a damn good linebacker, but, you know, the, the pass rush stuff was something that really the Cowboys did a good job of, of getting that out of him. Brian, take me through the Cowboys' offense. Uh, good to talk to you again, by the way. I, I, I remember through, you. Uh, from the '90s. We talked a little bit. Yeah, always enjoyed you. Offensively, you know this team overall and offensively, they look so dominant in terms of talent. But offensively, if they have an Achilles heel, if if teams get them, where do they get the Cowboys? If you follow me. Well, John, it's it's really teams have kind of figured out. And last week, the Texans did something that teams had been doing last year to this offense and that was playing a lot of cover too with those two uh safeties off the hash and so teams that have blitzed Dak Prescott have kind of learned that that's probably not the best way to go he's good at handling the blitz he's good at getting rid of the ball but teams that play what we call clog and cover with that two deep look you know, they rush four, drop seven, and they make him have to read the field. And they just didn't do a very good job last week until the final drive. You know, Lovey Smith, really the majority of the game, played that cover two look. And it, it really does affect Dak Prescott because, you know, he's struggling, as you guys mentioned, with the interceptions. Uh, he's, you know, he struggles at times finding those open receivers and you know they've just the, the they just haven't been able to get open so I wouldn't be surprised at all of going forward when you play the Cowboys that maybe you know that we see other teams say wow they you know the Denver Broncos last year had a plan for how to play and teams took advantage of that went away from that and then we saw it again because Lovey Smith being a a, a big two deep guy you know, it kind of came back and it looked like that, you know, did Dak had problems again until that final drive kind of picking that thing apart. Jags drive time Monday, Wednesday and Thursday mornings on Jaguars.com. Let's go to a preview of an interview that will air in full on the official Jaguars podcast network Saturday and will run again in parts Sunday and countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network. It's pride of the Jaguars running back Fred Taylor and what a matchup of running backs this week for the Cowboys and the Jaguars starting with the two-headed backfield in Dallas. I love him as a tandem. I think from a longevity standpoint, they take care of each other. You know, Zeke has been a star. Uh, straight out of Ohio State, he made his mark on the NFL by being a league-leading rusher multiple occasions, but he slowed down some. He's getting up there a bit in ages, approaching his 30s. Uh, but they have an amazing insurance policy in Tony Pollard, guy they drafted in 2019. So he's been around maybe 2018. I don't want to shorten his career, something like that. But he's been around uh, as long as Zeke. But a guy who has tremendous burst, you know, and he's outplaying Zeke, as you said it. A lot of times we like to say the running back position is the luck of the draw, meaning some guys you get in there sometimes, this guy gets a great blocking opportunity and gets a hole, while this guy may not. And regardless of that, you still want to be dynamic and make a play and put your your, your team in a great uh, uh, position. 
to uh, capitalize by scoring. But uh, they have two guys that are threats. Pollard can take it a distance with his speed. Zeke, he could do the same. Zeke's going to give you more power. Uh, Pollard's going to give you more jump cut, slashing ability. Uh, but together, they make up the best tandem uh, in the NFL. Brett, on the other side, it's been a little bit since Travis Etienne has put it together, at least statistically. Some, you know, the game situations have dictated some of that. Trevor's playing well. They're throwing it. They'll have to rally. Whatever happens, right? They get away, away from it or it's just not effective or he's dinged up, right? Well, this is one of those weeks where they better run the ball and stay ahead of the chains. And yes, Trevor's playing well and, and throwing well. He's the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, but you don't want to get in the habit, as you mentioned earlier, of standing back there at third and eight, third and ten, with Micah Parsons and Lawrence coming off the edge. So this seems like a Travis Etienne game. Can they get him going, and how do they get him going on the ground? JP, you and I both know well that if you want to minimize pass rush, you have to run the ball effectively. Or if you do have to pass it, you don't want to be in third and forever, meaning you know third and seven plus. You don't want to. Uh, you want to try and avoid those avoid those situations. Uh, and then the third thing, if you are in those situations, you want to be able to have certain protections called <clears throat> where the backs are releasing outside so he can get a nice chip or I like to call them chunks front off the uh, defense off the pass rusher. So either way, whether it's through run game success or being involved in the pass game, they're going to need Travis Etienne to be at the top of his game. Whether it's, you know, a receiver out of the backfield getting a short uh, uh, check down and then doing something with those, those are really extended handoffs. They're just recategorizing it as a, as a reception or a pass. But I'll take those any day of the week as long as the ball is moving and you're not giving them a, a huge sign to tee off on in long down situations. So, um, but, yeah, running the ball will be somewhere they need to start. Uh, some quick hitters, traps, you know, something right up the gut, some quick call and play, some draws to keep them off balance. Uh, either case, they're going to have to mix it up really well. The full conversation with Fred Taylor coming up Saturday on the official Jaguars Podcast Network. Let's wrap the week with the Doug Peterson Show from Thursday and head coach Doug Peterson's overall thoughts about the Dallas Cowboys. This uh, Cowboys football team, great challenge for your team. As about as well-rounded as a football team you're going to face probably since the Philadelphia Eagles as far as offense and defense and special teams, you guys are going to have to be on it. Yeah, this is a good football team. All three phases, even special teams, are, are really, really good. You got great players, good returners. Uh, their, their kicker is, is outstanding. Um, and then, you know, defensively, they're, they, they've created takeaways this year, you know, not only fumbles, but interceptions. Um, they're really good on third down, you know, and, and, and just a, uh, a, a well coached team again. Coach McCarthy's got these guys rolling. You know, this is really two years in a row now that they've, that they're playing like this and kind of lights out. And, and it does. It takes, you know, it, it's going to take a, a, a really good effort by our football team. Um, you can't make a lot of mistakes. You know, you can't, you got to take care of the football against these guys. Great pass rushers in, in Micah Parsons and, and, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, these guys can get after you. And, and offensive line is, is good. I know they got, you know, the right tackle uh, deal right now, but, but offensive line is solid. So, you know, where's, where's the weakness, you know, in, in their team? And, and, uh, uh, but I, I, like, I like where our guys are at. I like the way we've been playing here the last couple of weeks and then should be a good game. 
their defense, Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator, and you talked about Lawrence. You also talked about Micah Parsons. Is Micah Parsons maybe the best you've seen on the edge this year? I mean, watching the film on him, I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do, and he wins at such a high rate. It's incredible. This guy is extremely high motor. Um, he, he, he never quits. He's got a great first step. Um, he can cross face. He can, he can bend the edge. Um, he can chase from behind. Um, I mean, you see every play on tape, and and um, you know he's a special player. And and we have to know where he's at, obviously, where he lines up. But if you if you put you know all your eggs in one basket on one side of the field, there's number ninety standing on the other side of the field, and and he's just as dangerous. So um, our tackles are gonna. You know, uh, Jawan and Cam are, are get, got their hands full this week, but but again, that we don't have to put them on islands. You know, we've we've got uh, you know you put a tight end over there, but again, you see tight ends and, and backs helping tackles, and these two guys are still getting to the quarterback. So it's a, it's a really good challenge for us. Final thought with you here, Coach. Uh, meaningful games in December. That was a goal of this organization, and this certainly qualifies. Now, two back of Tennessee with four to play. The Dallas Cowboys have a lot to play for on their side as well. The environment should be uh, at one of the all-time highs here at the bank, I think, going into this game. So, um, But for all that to matter down the stretch the next month, this game matters, right? It's, it's one game at a time, right? It's definitely a one-game you know, mentality, and, and um, you know, that's the way we approach each week. And, and you know, this, is a, this is a big game for us, again, just like we talked about last week being a big game and, and sort of a must game, you know, and, and – our guys feel that, and and I really want the guys to feel that pressure. You know, to feel um, the big game environment. You know, especially around here, and and it's 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 all part of winning and and teaching the the culture of winning. And um, you know, our guys are going to be excited. Should be a great crowd, uh, from what I'm hearing. And and uh, I know the Cowboy fans travel extremely well. Um, I've been a part of a few of those games uh, before, so it uh, should be a great atmosphere on Sunday. You know how to keep them quiet is to score early and often. How about that? Well, that's the plan, but it's easier said than done. <laughs> the Doug Peterson Show airs Thursday at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars Radio Network, and the archive is now on Jaguars' social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and, of course, Jaguars.com. That'll do it for this week. As of Friday, there were only standing room tickets available for the game, and those were even very limited. We're expecting a completely sold-out house Sunday at the bank, so get here early, and we'll be right along with you on radio on your drive-in or during your tailgate. We're on the air in Jacksonville on 1010XL at 10 a.m. Sunday with the Publix Tailgate Show. At noon, it's countdown to kickoff on the Jaguars radio network, and of course, total leather in week 15 set for 1 o'clock. This week's game is presented by Renewal by Anderson, a better way to a better window. Visit them at rbafla.com. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks for listening. I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Weekend Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank.